much, uh, Sabrina, for, for joining us today. I know that when I received your information, um, <laughs> I saw divorce, lawyer, pandemic. I was like, ooh, this is going to make for a great conversation uh, because I myself um, am the child of several divorces. And I know Jen also is uh, a product of a separation and um, which, you know, we are very open about, you know, sharing our stories here on this um, podcast because we always feel like it could help and benefit um, our listeners uh, to, uh, to learn something new or maybe rethink a situation that they may be going through. Um, and especially now during the pandemic, I felt that it was a necessary, necessary conversation to have because I know of three people who were starting to get divorced in the process of divorces, in the middle of separations, and then the pandemic hit and have been forced to live together, be confined, quarantined together, um, when some of those legal, illegal, <laughs> whatever situations have been, you know, weren't truly clarified and um, adding even more stress to an already stressful situation. So before we get really into this conversation, what I'd like for you to do is introduce yourself, tell us, you know, the type of law that you practice. And I know that you also do coaching. So elaborate a little bit more for our listeners, for us, please, if you could. Well, Vanessa, thank you so much, first and foremost, for having me and Jennifer. Thank you. It's, uh, it's really a pleasure. And um, it's nice to be able to do this for the comfort of our own home. I mean, this is one of the silver linings in all of this, right? Um, but uh you know, I am an attorney by trade and profession. I've been practicing for over 25 years and I have seen a lot of uh, family law matters as well as other litigation. I started in civil litigation and my career uh, sort of took a turn and um, I did some assistant prosecuting work for the state of Michigan County of Oakland. Uh, that's the county in which I reside now. And uh, then I opened my own firm, but I didn't have a grand plan of opening my own firm. I, when I left the prosecutor's office, I uh, had just been taking clients here and there, and then I got busier and busier. And uh, I was also pursuing a little bit of a music career on the side. so. Um, but over time, I just got busier and busier, and I found that really family law is, um, you know, I kind of say it found me because I hadn't done a lot of family law. I mean, I had some cases here and there, you know, friends or family members as I was doing other kinds of law throughout my career. But when I was an assistant prosecutor, which I did that also sort of in the middle of years of working, I hadn't, most prosecutors start right out of law school, but I kind of had been practicing a little bit first. And I had done a lot of juvenile work, a lot of neglect, and a lot of um, you know, abuse cases. And so I saw a lot of children in the system sort of stuck. And then also, you know, you see the cycles, you see the children of abuse then become the parents who are then abusing their children, you know, and then the cycle continues, they get stuck in the system and et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, when I started doing more divorce and now also being divorced with children, 
no matter what a person goes through, they still need to put their children and their interests first and foremost. You know, we all get caught up in our own stuff, our own problems, our own drama, and the ones suffering the most are, are our children. Um, and I have seen the worst in people. I also have seen the best in people, but what continues to motivate me time and time again is just really making sure the next generation that will be, you know, taking over, hopefully, you know, our great country, um, are really best suited and, and set up for success in the way sometimes our system is with family law and, you know, and, and it sometimes it really disturbs me how courts just, you know, kind of arbitrarily decide custody and don't know anything about the children, don't know anything about the, the family or what they're going through. And, you know, I wish more attorneys and then more parties to divorce would really be able to negotiate it amongst themselves because they are better suited to know what's in their children's best interest than a judge yeah. who tries. The judges try their best. The referees of family courts try their best, but they don't know as well as you do. And so really it's about, it's about the kids. And, you know, it's, it's interesting um, that last point you're making because I know that, um, you know, I went through, I've been married now for 14 years, <laughs> 14 years. And, uh, you know, my husband and I went through a bump in our, in our marriage journey where uh, divorce was a conversation that we had. And I remember, um, you know, and for those of you listening, you know that I'm an open book. I, I can't keep my mouth shut about my experiences just because I always feel like if someone is listening, you know, know that you're not alone in um, the situations that you're living in, because I know that I felt that way when I was going through it. I, you know, I felt like I was watching this movie, right? But it was my life, right? Like I couldn't believe this was actually happening, that I was actually sitting down with a lawyer and having this conversation that I was, you know, making a list of what assets what dis like i could i just couldn't wrap my head around that because being a child of divorce multiple times right my parents both got married very early and um had multiple um partners over their lifetime which i always thought well obviously <laughs> they have not been able to figure this out um but i also thought that i did you know what i mean like i felt like i was not going to repeat those mistakes that, you know, my parents both made or try to, and, and listen, my, my husband and I, knock on wood, thank God, uh, are genuinely, um, we just had like this realization a few weeks ago, we were like, oh my God, we're actually like partners, right? We're actually in this, in the best interest, not just of ourselves, but of our children, which is to the point of your, um, that you were making earlier. But I do remember, you know, that first sit down conversation with my lawyer was, she asked me, she's like, do you want me to destroy him? Because I could. And I remember having that moment of, oh my God, I cannot believe that I can, like the law can ultimately decide, you know, how this goes from here. Right. And honestly, you know, my, my interests first and foremost were my children. I said, you know, at the end of the day, that is the father of my children. No, I don't want you to destroy him. No, I don't want you to go after, you know, what isn't 
fair, you know? But I also think that as women, we aren't as clear with what the law does afford us in our own protection because we are the caregivers. And I feel like that is the cycle that I continue to hear from women is that because they're not aware of, you know, how the law really does act, I, I would say, at least in my experience, it was 95% in my favor versus my, you know what I mean? Um, because there's a lack of clarity, we don't take action sooner. And I'm talking specifically in the event of an abuser. That was not my case, my case, you know, it was, but the cases that I am aware of have been abuse situations and they just don't know any better. Therefore, the actions that they're taking are out of fear, um, you know, or what has happened as to one's case specifically, they've been now because of the pandemic, because of the laws that have not wavered in either party's favor, they're like living at home together as if they were married, but they're not. And it's like, what does one do with that? Well, well, Vanessa, you, that was a loaded question because- <laughs> yeah, sorry, <laughs> but, but my questions typically are. Um, no, yeah, because it's all good. Like it's a lot to unpack from that, right? Well, especially now with yeah. this pandemic, we're all ordered to stay home, you yeah. know, especially, you know, I, obviously we're all in different states and different states have different orders. However, typically now, imagine even if you don't have children, let's just say it's just a normal couple, not, well, not normal, but there is abuse. Let's yeah. just assume to, to, for your question's sake, mm -hmm. the husband is abusing the wife. The wife is already in fear. She's already gone through the cycle of, of abuse multiple times. And every time someone goes through that cycle of abuse, it's just a downward, downward spiral. It's a slow staircase, right? A downward, but it's still downward nonetheless. And what people don't understand is if someone has suffered that type of abuse, whether it's over a, a long period of time or even a shorter period of time, and it's still the same cycle, it is so difficult to extricate oneself from that. You know, so many outsiders judge women particularly, uh, and they don't believe men. If men are in an abuse, they don't believe that. But woman can't has nowhere to go and is you know ordered to stay home and then even if she does try to call for help whether it's a lawyer or whether it's you know maybe filing for a ppo um they are so controlled typically by the man uh, over finances or over their phone bills or who they're calling or it's you know it's just a very very difficult situation and i know shelters were still you know open for people, but it's still a very hard situation. And, and Vanessa, you raised a good point about fear and not knowing, you know, I do a lot of workshops now to really empower people with knowledge because only through knowledge can you gain clarity, can you gain, you know, that, that confidence and the security to know what your next steps should be. And I often say that a good lawyer arms his or her client with that knowledge so then they can make not just you know guesses of what they want to do but real thoughtful decisions in terms of the next step and the next step 
in the in the you know the hypothetical you raised, not the, the the real example you gave yeah. actually of your own situation mm -hmm. when you went to a lawyer, mm -hmm. he said, "Do you want to destroy your husband?" Yeah. And in that moment, you had that choice. And most lawyers have that power. Some lawyers, frighteningly, take that and run with it, even when they're if you know even in the heat of the moment, if the client says, "Yes, go go get get them for all they're worth." And then down the road, they change their mind. Well, sometimes lawyers have their own agenda. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, so you have to be really careful. And even if you don't have children, it's, it, you know, your lawyer has a lot more power and control over the situation than sometimes. Well, and my, and ultimately my, I know from my own experience, which is obviously what I can speak to, um, you know, at the end of the day, what I kept, I, you know, I just remember how, horrible it was for my father right because when my parents divorced um my mother was very hurt you know it's a conversation that we have still as adults and you know she couldn't she at in that moment um she couldn't get over the infidelity she couldn't she was very hurt so we then became we the children right my two brothers and i became the pawns of this game right between my my mom and my dad and ultimately me because i was the one who was the messenger like right between my mom and my father um you talk about co-parenting a lot and 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 you mentioned um at the beginning of this conversation you say how important it is to keep our children at the forefront but I, and, and listen, having been, I guess, in both ends of the spectrum, you know, having been the product of divorce, having considered divorce myself, I can say that unless you as an individual are just strong at your core, right? You have to, and it, it has nothing to do with being healed from, you know, what happened. And I'm not talking specifically to abuse situations because I know that that's a completely different monster and it's not like you're going to forgive and forget for someone who has beat you for someone who has insulted you or whatever but if you're separating for irreconcilable differences if there is infidelity um for the sake of an example like that you know it's really unfortunate to see how the separations are happening and then there is literally a piece of the, these children's lives being just cut out um which ultimately has an effect for the rest of their life, you know, because I can, I can see, like, I always told my parents, like, wow, I, you could have gotten along all this time. You had to wait till we were adults to make these conversations happen. And I, I could still see like some, a, a slither of animosity from my mom at, on some occasions, but they could at least sit at a table at a dinner at a graduation, right? And we could have like a civil conversation, but years, past before that could actually begin to happen. And ultimately it was traced back to their own, you know, issues individually with each other, not us. And we would always be there like, okay, so we're, you know, we're sitting here with like the scraps, right? Like of this relationship. So how, how old were you when they yeah. divorced? I was seven. I was seven. Um, and I was the youngest. They both of three. remarried? They both and remarried? Multiple yeah. times. <laughs> <laughs> multiple that which is always what i hold over their head i'm like so it's like yeah you know it was i don't know like i always wonder but 
you know, I've come to terms, obviously. I mean, my, my father passed away 16 years ago. That's a completely different monster um, in its own. I always say I have to do a show just about my father and the type of person that he was. Um, and my mom has her own, you know, um, just ideas of what an independent woman <laughs> looks like. And she tried to raise me in that same way. However, you know, I felt, I feel like I was a little bit more empathetic in a sense. And I don't, I'm a little bit more chill, I guess you could say that when it comes to a relationship and, you know, the expectations of a marriage and understanding that a a spouse doesn't complete you, you know, those are things that I think you have to work individually first. And I think that that's a huge mistake that many women make before, you know, when they're getting married, but that's, a, that's like a whole nother show. My point is when it comes to the co-parenting uh, part, you know, it's very easy for us to say now, you know, we have to put our children's interests above anything else, but you're dealing with hurt individuals ultimately for whatever the re the case may be. Well, Vanessa, I think, you know, while yes, we can have a completely a different show on someone's, you know, inner strength. Yeah. It's all connected though. Yeah. And I, I can presume the reason why your parents married multiple times after their initial divorce and then they divorced multiple times is because they carried themselves with them with every marriage. Yeah. So until you can get a hold of some of your issues or underlying, you know, pathology, so to speak, yeah. um, you know, you're pre-wired already. And so they, they just kind of exchanged one issue for another and they kept repeating the same patterns over and over and over. And so people typically do that. And a lot of people aren't self-reflective or self-aware enough to be able to grow with each experience. You know, we hope that you know, with different experiences in your lifetime, you can take the information and the wisdom and the, you know, and, and grow and change and, you know, only, only continue to improve. Um, but again, it does, it takes a sensitivity, it takes, you know, a little bit of introspection and some, you know, just some selflessness, so to speak, to be able to do that. Now with co-parenting, it takes all those same characteristics and qualities. You know, when we have children, we have children because we want to give of ourselves to someone else. We want to raise a human being and we want to give them all the love and attention, you know, and everyone goes into it like marriage with the best of intentions. You know, some people have children out of, you know, either out of wedlock or just not intending to have a child. Obviously mistakes happen, you know, or, you know, accidental, yeah. you know, children, whatever, but every human being deserves happiness and a great life. And so whether it was your choice or not to have a child, you have a child now and you have to do everything you possibly can to raise that child in the best of circumstances that you possibly can. Now, again, here comes the educational part. Some people need help knowing and learning how to be a parent because they were never parented properly. They were never given those tools for whatever reason. Yeah. whether their parent was a drug addict or an alcoholic or they abandoned them or whatever it is, you know, people have to want to learn, number one, be open and coachable. And then number two, be, you know, receptive and, and try to learn and grow and change and 
to co-parent in the face of adversity, to co-parent um, without all the emotion and the heat of the moment. You're right. I mean, it takes a strength like you've never known before. And when I coach people, I often tell them, you have to act like, you know, the next Grammy winner or, or not Grammy, Grammy's music, like the next Oscar winner, Emmy winner, whatever it is. Yeah. You have to just do it. You know, there's no try. Just do it. Your children didn't ask for this. If you don't want them, you know, spending the next 20 years on the couch of some psychiatrist someday, just do it, you know? And I, it, it does, it takes a, a selflessness and it takes a discipline. It takes just an inner strength. And I try my best to, to teach that, to coach that and to give them the tools. And I think first and foremost, it takes a confidence to be able to know, to make the choices and to, to not have to always prove their point, to not have to be tit for tat, to not have to win every argument, you know, and that is really what it's all about. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Uh, Jen, I see you, you want to say something. <laughs> I'm actually uh, just curious, because you had touched on this a little bit earlier. Have you seen, uh, you know, like an uptick in whether it's abuse instances or divorce or, you know, just have you kind of seen a rise in this since the pandemic has started? Jen, it's been noticeably different. I mean, you know, at the start of the pandemic in the first wave, yes, I saw a great deal of high conflict, very, very, uh, sometimes very abusive, uh, just a lot of fighting, you know, just really high conflict cases. And, and then more of them. Um, and then they kind of died down. And then just the normal, when I say normal divorces, just, you know, I don't want to say normal to say that it's normal, but, you know, typically divorces happen uh, because of infidelity or an outside interest, uh, money, financial yeah. uh, abuse, of either um, you know alcohol or a drug addiction, um, but you know the, the I didn't mean abuse. I meant abuse of drugs or abuse of alcohol. Yeah, yeah. But when you have the physical or emotional abuse, um, which we've seen a lot of now, and I and I believe it's because people are stuck at home. They're not driving to work. They don't have the outlet they used to have. They, um, you know, you. In, in a, in a high-tense uh, situation, I often say that people's own propensities are kind of brought out more. Like if someone's typically anxious, this pandemic has made them more so. If someone is usually, you know, high-strung or high-wired, this pandemic has made them more so. Uh, if someone needs an outlet because they definitely do tend to have a short fuse, well, this pandemic has made them more so. so similar to being depressed. That's why we've seen a rise in depression, you know, during this pandemic, we've seen a rise in suicides. I mean, you know, people's mental health is just really being tested right now. And um, we need some outlets for people and we need to educate people on how to have these outlets. But yeah, it's, it's definitely, Jennifer, it's really been much more um, 
magnified with this pandemic. And once in a while though, you'll see the, the opposite where a couple may have been on the brink, you know, may have been uh, thinking about divorce, not really sure. Um, and so the good news is, and the hope is that this pandemic has brought those people and those families closer. Um, but you both have to be equally invested and want it. And that's, that's what I was going to get at. I mean, I think that ultimately, if there's something that I've learned throughout my own marriage, and especially during um, this time, because we are home more, um, my husband, like my husband's life hasn't really changed with regards to how little or how, how, how little or how more he works just because it stayed the same. He's an essential worker. So he goes into the office every, like he used to, nothing has changed for him. But for me, um, and Jennifer, obviously, who works with me, we obviously had more of a social life in the sense that there were, you know, we do host events and whatnot. Uh, but I came to the realization last week that I'm like, I'm kind of liking this break a little bit. I don't have to be like fully on all the time, which can be exhausting also. Uh, and it made me wonder like how boring my life really is if I'm not missing <laughs> those outings here and there. Um, and, but, you know, as a family unit, there are things that we are just, have bonded more over, have, you know, made it a point to like finish projects inside the house that we had started, et cetera, et cetera. But to your point, it is investment on both parts, right? Because our children are going to go where we <laughs> take them, where we steer them. And it's a, it's, it's, it really is um, a matter of how invested you are in, um, the, uh, in another person. Um, and, that's a, and that's a choice. I, I don't know who I said this to um, just a few days ago. I said, you know, love can only sustain you for so long. Then it becomes a daily choice that of wanting to be with this partner, right? Of what, even if you have kids, it's still a daily choice of, is this what is in my best interest? Or am I adding, you know, to the pot or am I just taking away or is he taking from me and not, and you know, it's, it's, at least that's how I see it. And, um, it's worked out for me thus far, <laughs> you know, we, it's a give and take, um, with our marriage. And, and it ultimately the end goal is to continue to add value to each other as each other's partners and you know obviously the children always will fall into that whatever that looks like because we do it in the best interest of not just each other but our family um but for those people who are um you know on that brink of separation especially now like what would you say is in their immediate toolbox like what can they do i mean you know, <laughs> we already know, like, we're done with each other. Like, what, what is someone, what can someone do if they're faced with that decision right now? Well, if it's, you know, without abuse or without any kind of severe toxicity, horrible situation, but if it's an abusive situation and they need to get out immediately, then that's, that's a different, you know, course of action. Um, but, if it's something that they've, you know, really come to terms with and, you know, usually, not always, uh, but usually it's one person wanting the divorce more than the other. Um, 
and the other person just kind of has to go along with it, you know, but because the, the one person, you know, wanting the divorce has really probably thought about it for a very long time and whether he or she has stepped out of the marriage and is, you know, in love with somebody else. And, you know, then the other person really, it's hard, you know, no matter how invested that other person is, that that's, there can be no, uh, coming to terms with someone involved with someone else, you know, they, unless, you know, I yeah. mean, you know, it's the other person's choice. So I would recommend, you know, trying not to let emotions get the better of you for either side, you know, um, and when there's children involved, especially now with the pandemic, try to be as thoughtful of the other person or, and, or thoughtful of the children as you possibly can try to put yourself in the other person's shoes. Again, it takes a strong person to do that. Get clarity on what you want. Whichever parent you are, whether you're the one wanting the divorce or the one not, get clarity. You know, figure out what you want. Take some time for yourself. Figure out, you know, how do you see your life unfolding? And then try to have these adult mature discussions with the other spouse, because you have the power to resolve your divorce yourselves. You know, you can save a lot of money, you can save a lot of time, you can save a lot of heartache if you just approach it in a very mature and open and honest way. The minute you try to one up, you know, your partner, or your, your soon to be ex, or you want to take everything from him or her or you wanna take the children, or you wanna, you know, whatever it is, leave the state and, you know, just remember that you have to deal with this person for the rest of your young children's, you know, lives really, not just 18, because after the age of 18, you have graduations and you have weddings and you have, you know, grandchildren and, you know, and like you were just saying, you know, for the longest time, your parents couldn't even be in the same room together. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you don't want to cause all that tension for your children. So you really want to try to do and be the best version of yourself, even during this tumultuous, horribly emotional time. I have, and that is not easy. No, it's not. I have this like memory that haunts me um, it, it, as an, and I'm 42 years old, but it's still because my father passed away, but I feel, I felt so uncomfortable in that situation that, it's still like <laughs> it rears its head. And I remember at one point, um, and there was like, this was like my father's um, third um, partner, right? My mother, I was at my father's house and my mother picked me, was picking me up. And at the same time that she came to pick me up, the woman was coming out of the house. And I didn't know what to say, like, I didn't know if I introduced them, if I said, hi, mom, this is da da da, this is like, I didn't know what to do. So I said absolutely nothing. And the entire ride home, as my mom is driving me home, she's getting on my case because why didn't you introduce me? Now she's going to think I'm rude. Now she's going to, and I'm like, <laughs> I'm sitting there like, well, this hasn't really gone over well. <laughs> the previous, you know, and 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 I I just remembered the level of just how uncomfortable it was. And then I had to go, you know, apologize to this other, to my my father's current partner. I said, you know, I didn't mean for that to be awkward. I just 
it's always been like this way forever for all of us. So I didn't know if I should do anything differently. And, you know, I was an adult then. I was not a, a, a child anymore. Um, but, well, an adult, I was like, I don't know, 18, 19 years old, whatever. But it just felt- for you, yeah. But it was still like hard. It was still like- <laughs> awkward and weird. And it was like, do I say something? Do I not say something? So again, I didn't say anything. And it just haunts me because had they just managed to just be civil, um, that it was, um, it should have been this easy to just, you know, and reintroduce, you know, it had been so long since my parents had gotten divorced. Like it shouldn't have mattered um but i felt like it still did and it just was awkward and and weird and uncomfortable and i never wanted to experience that again myself therefore you know i think it's one of the reasons obviously that i carry with me you know trying to i you know i love my spouse very very much and we we have but again you know it was like you know i never want my children to experience something as just heartbreaking as that because it is as as uh, as silly as that may seem um, it was just devastating and it just shouldn't happen. So, um, it's trauma. It, <laughs> I mean, it's trauma for that child, you know, and, yeah. and obviously you were still having some residual feelings from it because even as an 18 year old, I mean, you're still 18, you're young and, you know, but it's still traumatic and it's, it, you know, it's, it's hard. It's hard to be in that situation. And you had probably had a lot of burden on you without even really knowing it as you were growing up. And then it just kind of, you know, people hold on to stuff viscerally and- It, uh, it just came out. <laughs> At that moment, it just came out and I was like, I don't know what to do. I'm going to go, I don't know, talk to each other. I don't know, I'm gonna run for the hills here. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, it, it's just, it's really fascinating. I think obviously because you are in a position yourself where you've experienced and you're, you know, you're a single mom yourself and you have experienced this. Um, I think you can carry that into how you obviously talk to, um, you know, people who come to you for counsel uh, and, and to speak to families um, about the importance of, you know, but I think that that goes into anything, right? Like our, our ability to always want to be right. Our ability to like, that's like in our nature, right? The, the impulse to control, to have other people just do and say what we want them to do and say when it doesn't really go that way or is that way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, Vanessa, I don't, it, I don't know. It's, it is, you're right. It, it is human nature. And people just want to push and push and push their way. And, and I, or people just want to either be, uh, I don't know, they want to get back. They want to be retaliatory or they're so, you know, worried about what the other person is doing. Or, you know, even in your mom in that moment when you were 18, she was worried about her ex's new partner and what that person thought of her. Yeah. We're also worried too about what people think of us or, yeah. you know, wanting to get our side of the story out to, you know, whoever would listen, you know, you, you know, if you were wronged by your spouse, you want that, you know, either friends or family or strangers to know your side, you know, everybody wants to be right. And, you know, so it's, yeah, it's uh, it's a difficult thing, but um, I always say if I can co-parent, anyone can. 
So, <laughs> you know, I can only imagine. I can people, only imagine. Yeah. Well, people, um, you know, I, I see people get divorced for nothing, really no reason. Uh, you know, when they're done, they're done. They just don't have any investment in it, which is sad. And then I've seen people stay and tolerate intolerable behavior. Yeah. Um, so it's honestly, it's like you say, it's a choice. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, sometimes people make those choices for very unhealthy, you know, sick reasons. Yeah. But then other people, you know, just leave also for unhealthy reasons. So, yeah. you know, you want to be balanced in life in general and co-parenting peacefully really helps you to be at peace. Yeah. And, um, you know, being mindful and at peace. And that doesn't mean being weak. Yeah. It does not mean, you know, you have to take it. You can have your boundaries. You can be strong. You know, once in a while, if you need to be, you know, yeah. the B word or whatever, you know, but just make sure, you know, you're doing it in a very sound, healthy and mindful way. I so agree with that. I mean, I, all I can say just from my experience is um, that, you know, we think our children are not paying attention or listening and watching it. And I just remember, you know, at a later date and time when I was able to have these conversations with my mom, just said, I was like, you thought we were stupid. Like we didn't realize what was going on, what you guys were fighting. Like we heard it all. We saw it all. We understood it. You just got, you, I, I would just say, you know, give the children the benefit of the doubt. Um, and um, respect their feelings because they are real. They are listening. They're watching. They're watching you. They're paying attention. And um, how you behave, how you react in a, as difficult of a situation as a divorce may be, is how they will repeat, you know, those behaviors in their own future. And I feel like that's the key. There is to always um, keep them, if there are children, and you know, at the forefront um, because like you said, whether you wanted to have them or not, they're there and they're yours. You can't like return them or, I, I mean, you know, like it's just, it, it is what it is. It's like you, you made the, you know, you have these little people that now depend on the both of you and um, you have to really try to make the best of a really just awful situation and just operate in the best way possible, you know, for the, for their sake more than, than yours. Yeah. You, know, you have to think about the, the two of you, the two parents have to be able to communicate effectively so that your children know that you're aligned. Because yeah. let's just say you divorced when the kids are younger. When they're getting to be teens, you're going to have, you know, a whole new set of problems with them. Yeah. You know, and they're going to play the parent, one parent off the other. Yeah. And so to make sure you're, you know, raising good, healthy children and not getting into trouble, not getting into drugs or whatever it is, you want to make sure that you get along well enough with the father or the mother so that you're aligned and your children know that. Yeah. That's important. And then these divorce attorneys that really want to go at one another and really want to, you know, kill the other side, you know what I mean? You know, just yeah. really be aggressive and get the other side. They don't think about the long-term effects of that. No. And I, and I agree with that, you know, and the thing is, I think that because we're, we've been so, um, I guess, geared or wired to think in that way where, you know, if you're divorcing, you can go out and get, you know, be set for the rest of whatever. Uh, I think that's just such a, um, 
it's disheartening and it's heartbreaking because at the end of the day, I always think about, you know, why, why did you decide to partner with this person in the first place? Like think like go back to that. And hopefully that would be enough to get you through, you know, the divorce itself. And obviously you saw something <laughs> in order to decide to get married to this person. Um, but yeah, when you, when you're seeking, you know, the, the, just the abolition of the other person, like, it's just, it's just so unkind. I mean, I, I, I want to say other words, but, um, you know, it's just really not, um, the best course of action, especially when children are involved. Um, I, for one, could talk to you about this for days, um, because I feel like it is, um, I mean, I know I remember saying this out loud a couple of times, well, if I, if it doesn't work out, I'll just get divorced. I definitely, uh, don't think that way anymore just because I was faced with it and I wanted to, um, for the sake of my children and my own relationship with my spouse, you know, continue to track forward. Um, and I believe that marriage is possible, but it's a hell of a lot of work. And anybody who tells you that is <laughs> lying to you. <laughs> you know, I think we definitely to be, that's why I love having conversations like this that are really just honest and um you know you're bringing down barriers and walls and 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 trying to break stigmas of you know people think that the 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 wedding is the marriage and it's not and it's a daily choice you make um to be with this other person and when children are uh in that role in that in that unit um all the more responsibility you each have to you know to keep the sanity for all of them, for them, you know, to be, to grow up and to be healthy human beings as well. So how can, if anyone who may be listening um, would want to connect with you to get some resources from you directly, how can they connect with you? How can they reach out to you? Um, thank you for asking that. Um, they can call me either at the toll-free number, which is 855-CALL-CRONIN, uh, C-A-L-L-C-R-O-N-I-N, or uh, my local number of 248-258-3500 or um, info at callcronenlaw.com. Amazing. Thank you so much. Any last words of wisdom before we wrap this up? You know, I just think people need to just be reasonable and remember that kindness is not weakness. It's actually the contrary. And, um, you know, in the face of adversity, you should always try to be an example for someone else. And, and in this situation, your children, like you say, they're always watching and you want to show by way of an example, your values, your character, your integrity. And simply because someone was bad to you doesn't mean you need to be bad back. And um, taking the high road is actually sometimes the best road to take. Amen to that. Thank you so much for so, taking some time um, to spend it with us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Oh,